First reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. It's on page 1029 of the um, Church Bibles. Um, Luke 11, 1 to 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him bread because he is, a friend, because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I'm reading Romans 8, uh, verses 14 to 17. Uh, If you read verse 13, you'll see what the because is about, okay? Because, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks, Vicky and Paul. Uh, We're going to be uh, looking at the topic, as uh, John mentioned, of prayer. Uh, It's a bit of a one-off between now and when we start our uh, Joshua series. Uh, And there's lots, uh, in fact, uh, on this uh, topic. Uh, So we're not going to be able to cover uh, everything. Uh, but there's a few good things we'll be able to bring up. Um, there's an outline as well that you would have received on the way in. Uh, that'll uh, help you as we go through what we're looking at today. Well, 
Uh, it was the year 2006, uh, and it was my first year of uh, a ministry training apprenticeship. Uh, I knew Sophie, uh, I knew that Sophie, rather, was going to be at this preparation day for an upcoming uh, Christian University Students Conference, uh, a mid-year conference. I'd seen her at a training day earlier with my ministry training apprenticeship, uh, but we hadn't spoken then. Um, you see, a few years earlier, before that, uh, we'd had a bit of an awkward conversation uh, on text. I'd asked her to go out with me and she'd said no. <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Well, I was determined this time to pluck up the courage and go and speak to her this time. I entered the hall uh, and went up and joined the group of people that she was standing with. And that was the restart of our relationship. I sat with her that day and we talked and we talked and we talked. Uh, Not when others were talking, of course, we were uh, good uh, listeners at that time as well, Uh, but we talked and when we weren't talking, well, I was just glad to be sitting next to her. At the end of the day, when uh, things were wrapping up and people were leaving, uh, we sat there and talked some more. I remember Sophie talking to me about how she was feeling embarrassed a little at that point as her friends were milling around and yet she was still stuck there talking to me. Uh, it, was a bit, it was pretty clear that I couldn't get enough of talking with this one. Uh, in fact, that's been one of the things uh, that I've always found easy with Soph, talking. I don't remember a time when we haven't uh, been able to find something that we wanted to talk about. Uh, talking now uh, can be a little bit harder, though, uh, as you saw earlier. Making time to talk is one particular difficulty with four little blessings that God has given us. Uh, they're wonderful. I think the next picture's a little bit clearer. we go to the next one. There they are. Oh, look at that little face. He's got some more curls now, doesn't he? Um, but there's other things that make it harder to talk as well. When we sin against each other, that makes it hard to talk too, doesn't it? But uh, when we do get the time to just stop, maybe we've got a, a babysitter and we go out on a date night and we talk, uh, it's awesome. I love it. It's the joy of relationship, isn't it? It's not just that she's my wife, she's my best friend. Talking expresses our relationship. Talking strengthens and, and builds up our intimacy in our relationship. And talking is just part of the joy of relationship, isn't it? Even in those times when it's hard. Uh, Now, when it comes to talking with God, in my ideal world, that's kind of what I would want it to be like. Sure, there's joys and struggles, ups and downs, but it's something you always want to keep coming back to, making time for. You know, the, the joy of chatting to someone that you know and who knows you someone who you love and who loves you. But how often I seem to fall far short of just that. I heard someone once say that if you want to make a Christian feel guilty, just ask them how their prayer life is going. Firstly, they're simply remembering to pray in the busyness of the daily, the morning routine. You know, there's all that we need to do to get ourselves and our family out the door on time that morning. It can feel then like you don't stop until the kids are in bed later on that night and by then, really, it just feels like it's time to flop. 
when we do finally remember to pray, I know I can sit down to pray and it's about 15 seconds before something on my ever-growing list of to-dos for that day pops into my head and I'm off thinking about that on one tangent. I wrestle myself back down, okay, yep, focus on prayer, who am I talking? But it's not long before then I'm again off on another tangent over here. Sometimes it feels like I'm fighting a losing battle. Aside from those difficulties, there can be the strangeness that we might feel with prayer itself as we seek to try and or have a conversation with God. It can feel a bit odd that not only we don't, don't see the person that we're talking to, but we can't kind of hear them respond either. And it's not just because we're, you know, we're in Bowen Mountain and our phone's lost reception. Uh, but that's just the norm when it comes to talking with God. We don't hear an, an audible voice now, do we? Sometimes even we can wonder, does prayer make any difference? I've prayed for things and you know, it hasn't seemed to work. I haven't seen the answer. And then, well, we feel guilty for even having that thought and hopefully God didn't notice and we kind of try and quickly move on as well. Do any of these uh, scenarios sound like your life or am I just talking about myself up here? Now, despite all of that, we know that prayer is something important, don't we? It's something that God talks about again and again in His Word. It's the talking part of this most fundamental, most essential of all our relationships, our relationship with God. And so, having brought up a whole bunch of questions and issues, uh, as I said, we're not going to have time to deal with all of them, but what we are going to do today is to take a step back and look at the big picture of prayer. But what really is prayer uh, and why do we find it hard? Because I think that's going to help us dramatically when it comes to, to thinking about prayer and our whole view of prayer. And from there, uh, we'll see how, where we go to learn to pray and we'll finish with some aspects of the praying life that's uh, on the outline here. So firstly then, what is prayer? Uh, now, it's easy to think of prayer as a kind of abstract exercise, something that Christians do. Uh, you know, something that we, we need to get better at. We need to get, oh, I need to get better at prayer, don't I? Uh, you know, there's, there's the words that we say, whether they come out of our mouths or in our minds. There's things to pray for. Maybe there's lists of things to pray for that we have to help us to remember what to pray. But if we deal with prayer in the abstract, we're going to end up losing our way. It's like our focus will end up being on the mobile phone instead of, who we're talking to on the other end of the phone. Because actually that, that second part, that's the bit that matters most, that we're talking to someone. The heart of prayer is not a thing you do, but a person you love and relate to. Hear that again. The heart of prayer is not a thing you do, but a person that you love and relate to. In the business of our days, with the lists of things to pray for, that's an easy thing to forget. Prayer is a key expression of our relationship with God. And, and in fact, that's why John Calvin, one of the reformers who we'll, we're going to hear a little bit more about later on in the year, in term four, as we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, that's why Calvin said this, he said, prayer is the chief exercise of faith. 
That is, prayer is the primary way that true faith, through trust in God, expresses itself, what trust does. It prays. Think about it, if we, we see this in the experience of us coming to God, being drawn near to God for the first time. Uh, we didn't read it um, this morning, but in uh, the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, uh, Paul says that faith, trusting God, comes from hearing the message, from the Word of God. The message is heard through the Word of Christ. And so, when we first heard the Word of the Gospel, that Word where God says, you deserve judgment, but I'm offering you forgiveness, undeserved favour, grace. When we first heard that and went from just hearing the Gospel to believing it, trusting Him, the right response of our faith at that point was to take hold of that gift in prayer, to speak to God, wasn't it? We acknowledged who God is and who we are. Not just to the air, but to God. We admitted our failings, our sin, not just to ourselves, but to God, Him who is the judge. And then believing His word of the offer of forgiveness in Jesus, we asked Him for that forgiveness. We responded in prayer. We took hold of it as we spoke to Him. See that? The word leading to faith. Faith comes from the word of God and faith leads to prayer. We couldn't come to Him if we didn't know that He existed. In fact, we wouldn't come to Him if we didn't believe in Him, if we didn't trust Him. But as we heard the word of the gospel and believed the message, we believed in the God behind the message and, we, and that issued forth in prayer. All of this comes about by God's Spirit at work in us. Now, that happens at the start of our lives following Jesus, our lives as a disciple of Christ, but it's also the continuation of that, that pattern of being a follower of Jesus too, isn't it? Just as the vines at my house uh, along the fence continue to send out their tendrils to the sun again and again in springtime, in summertime you feel like you need to cut them every second day, so also our prayers ought to continue to flow out of trusting God, out of love and trusting Him. So now as we, as we dwell on this, this definition of prayer here, that, that prayer is the chief exercise of faith, there's something that it also immediately says that, to us that's confronting, something confronting about prayerlessness. Prayer, if prayer is the chief exercise of faith, then prayer demonstrates a lack of belief in God. Sorry, prayerlessness demonstrates a lack of belief in God. As much as we might talk about prayer being a good thing and about God being for us and on our side, our actual prayer life or lack thereof, reveals how much we really depend upon this one. How much we really desire intimacy with God. The state of our prayer life, and this is important, hear what I'm saying, the state of our prayer life doesn't call into question our 
security as a child of God. That's based fully and completely on Christ and what He's done. But our prayer life does reveal how much of a baby we are spiritually. And certainly a humbling thought, isn't it? Oh, how it humbles. This is something that I've particularly struggled with over the last couple of weeks, a couple of months, starting here, personal prayer, making that time, prioritizing that time, seeing it as important, seeing it as, as, as necessary, personal prayer. And even today as I preach on this word, this is a word that I need to preach to myself as well. Prayer is hard. But let me say, don't despair. Don't deny the way that we are convicted of our sin, of our faithlessness. But don't despair in that. You see, if prayer is the primary way that true faith expresses itself, then can I say that it's no wonder that we're all naturally rubbish at prayer. We're all naturally rubbish at prayer because we're all naturally sinners. We're all naturally lacking in faith, lacking in trust in God. And so we're all naturally going to find prayer hard. How helpful it is to realize that, to understand that, how free. Further to that though, Prayer, if prayer arises out of faith, out of trust in God and His goodness, as we've seen so far, then naturally then, everything that's opposed to God and His goodness, our sinful natures, the world and the devil, all of these things are going to conspire together against prayer, against us praying. In a fallen world, we're certainly going to be up against it as we seek to pray. So then let me encourage you, in our struggles with prayer, in your struggles with prayer, know that you're not the odd one out, that everyone else has got this thing happening that, and you're the odd one out. No, you are not the odd one out. You're not unique in your battle. But you, just like me, are a sinner, naturally inclined away from faith, naturally inclined away from prayer. Now, there might be some among us for whom prayer is not a struggle or has never been a struggle. And can I say to you, that's awesome. Praise God. That's wonderful. What a blessing. Keep praying and, and keep encouraging others to pray as well. But I want to say to you as well, know this, it's not because you're just a natural at prayer. Prayer is a gift, a gift of God, God's grace at work among you, just like faith. Naturally, we're all, as sinful humanity, we're all going to be rubbish at prayer. Don't let the way that this word convicts you of prayerlessness leave you, but... Praise be to God. 
Praise be to God that he saves sinners just like us, like you and me. He meets us in Jesus, the friend of sinners. And in fact, when it comes to prayer, it's to Jesus, the Son, that we need to take our cue from. Taking our cue from the Son. A little while ago, I was at uh, Moore Theological College studying and at one point in our New Testament lectures, we were considering the role of the Father and the Spirit in Jesus' mission here on earth, as we read it in the Gospels. And it felt, to me, it felt like a strange question to be asking. Wasn't Jesus the Lord? Didn't that mean that He could do anything and everything? Wasn't He fully God? And, And so, because of that, He didn't need help from, you know, the Father or the Spirit. And although the answer to those first two questions is yes, you know, yes, Jesus is the Lord, yes, Jesus is fully God, the conclusion that I'd drawn was actually wrong. No, Jesus didn't just kind of go it alone and let the other persons of the Trinity kind of get on doing their things. Instead, Jesus in the Gospels, we see again and again, is the Spirit-empowered Son. The Spirit poured out on Him at Jesus' baptism. We see again and again, Jesus is the Father-dependent Son. The Lord the one through whom all things were made, this Jesus prays. When He's joyful, He prays. When He weeps, He prays. When He's about to make big decisions, like appointing the twelve apostles, He prays. He spends a whole night in prayer. Read the Gospels and see it. Don't let the familiarity of the words there blind you to see just how amazing this is. He withdraws by Himself to pray. He prays with others. As we saw at the start of that reading from Luke chapter 11, if you noticed it, have a look later if you didn't, Luke chapter 11 verse 1, it's His praying that draws the disciples, prompts them to ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Did you see that? Now about this we must understand this. Jesus didn't just pray because He was on earth, as if He was being the model human citizen. Or, or as if, you know, when you're overseas and you can't just talk to your family, you've got to pick up the phone and call them. He wasn't just doing prayer because of that. What He's showing us is what He's always done. What He's showing us is who He really is. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, the Son can do nothing by Himself. In chapter 8, He says... I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. This is who the Son is in His nature, eternal and always. The Son prays to the Father. He speaks to Him. He depends upon Him. God's way isn't go it off, go off and do it on your own, Son. But it's all about relationship. That's why Jesus, the perfect Son, The Divine Son trusts and depends upon His Father. He prays. Isn't that amazing when you you think about it? It's profound. That's totally not what I would expect. But this is what He does. 
So how does this shape our approach to prayer? Well, in God's kindness, His plan wasn't just to kind of save us from the coming judgment, but to bring us into relationship with Him. And and in this relationship, God hasn't kept us out at arm's length, but He's brought us in to the very, into His very self, being made children as we share the sonship of the Son, a relationship with God as our Father. We've been brought into relationship with God as our Father. He's He's given us the spirit of sonship, as we read in that Romans chapter 8, by whom we, we cry, Abba, Father. And so prayer then is taking the privilege of relating to the Father as our Father. Relating to the Father as our Father. Prayer is learning to approach God the Father in the standing of the Son. And hear this, I love this description that I heard and I'm going to share with you. Prayer is learning to enjoy the relationship with God the Father that the Son has always enjoyed. It's amazing. I just kind of want to let that sit out there and let, let us marvel at it, that truth. Prayer is learning to enjoy the relationship with God the Father that the Son has always had the Son has always enjoyed. It's amazing. When we understand prayer like that, not just as something that you do or something you've got to get better at, something you've got to tick off the list, but a relationship to enjoy, it changes everything, doesn't it? It makes me want to pray. It gives me a longing to to know and live in that relationship with the Father just like the Son. It's something to enjoy and pursue rather than a burden that just weighs you down. And in fact, as we kind of see it like that, prayer is one of the very things that God has given us that we might grow as His children. If you've heard of the phrase, means of grace. Prayer is a means of grace. Something that God's given us so that we can continue to take hold of His grace, His favour to us. And so as we continue to express our sonship, we grow in it, we grow a praying life. Life lived in relationship, in trust and an ongoing dependence with God. Speaking to God the Father, standing united to the Son and enabled by the Spirit. Now, as we live out this this praying life, there's six things I just want to mention briefly here uh, to help us on our way. I'm sure there's many more that you might share with one another over morning tea or in your growth groups or other things, but we're just going to say six things at this point. And so firstly then, and they're on your outline so you don't have to try and remember them all. Firstly, pray at all times. Our prayer life, it's not actually something different and separate from the rest of our lives. But, as we're united to Jesus, if we trust Him, we're always in God's presence. There's a Colin song about that. And so, as we, as, we, as we grow what I call a God consciousness, a kind of 
understanding that we're always in his presence, you know, talking to him, knowing that he's there, being thankful in a whole range of ways just kind of naturally happens throughout the day. Our God consciousness. Living in the reality of being a child of God, just go back one slide, Jim, Um, thank you. Living in the reality of being a child of God 24 hours a day, that's praying at all times, developing our God consciousness. But secondly, uh, also, pray at specific times. Just as we set aside specific times to speak with others that we're close to, I, I try and, hasn't happened for a little while, but we try and have date night and things like that uh, with me and so. Keep doing this and do this with God, okay? When you set aside that time, protect it and remember to focus on the one that you're praying to, not just prayer in the abstract, but on the one you're praying to and reminding yourself of who He is, who you're coming before and that, I think, will help you and spur you on in that. Thirdly, pray uh, with others. Uh, this, I think I swapped it around from the outline. Uh, pray with others. Now, this is one of the privileges that we have as the children of God, the children of the one Father. Uh, we can draw together and speak to the one who is your Father and mine and pray. It's so encouraging to hear our brothers and sisters pray, hearing others pray. Don't let your fear hold you back, please. Whether the, It's so encouraging to hear those prayers, whether they're confident or faltering, whether they're in complicated words or simple words. Draw near with one another. Share that joy of praying to your Father with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fourthly, pray in private. A prayer, a private prayer, it's the necessary kind of counterbalance to praying with others. It keeps us from hypocrisy. If I only ever talk to God when others are around, then I need to ask myself, well, who am I really trying to impress? Uh, fifthly, answers to prayer. Now, this is, uh, there's lots you could say about this. I'm just going to be brief. Yes, God answers prayer. Not always in the way that we might want expect or be looking for, but as a kind and gracious father who longs to give good gifts to his children, he's often more willing to give good gifts than we are to to, to pray. Still, when it comes to seeing those good gifts, those good answers to prayer that he gives, we need to let him and his definition of what is good for us shape our definition of what is good. Does that make sense? He is the good God. We were were born in the city of destruction. We need to let what His definition of good is shape our definition. And I'm sure that, well, that's going to be a lifelong process. And sixthly, pray in response to His Word. Just as we saw earlier, prayer comes from faith and faith from the Word. Make that the normal pattern of prayer, to set Christ and His glory, His goodness before you in His Word and then pray in response. Take time to hear what He said to us and that will grow the richness of our relating to God in prayer. So then, prayer, talking with God. He wants to hear us, He wants to interact. He's not meaning to have us in some hypothetical relationship but a real dependent relationship 
with Him as our Father. And so let's not lose how God has convicted us of this today, but strive to take up that joy of relationship with God. Let's do it together. Amen.